It was a time when pro wrestling was a pop culture phenomenon. Talk about your songs, talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Pay-per-view quality matches live on free TV every Monday night. Monday, July 6, 1998. Goldberg captured the gold. We look back at the battle between WCW Monday Nitro and WWF Monday Night Raw. It's me, Austin! Oh, son of a bitch! What? It's me, Austin! It was me all along, Austin! This is Reliving the War with Simon Tackler and Nims Azul. You can call this the new... World Order of Wrestling, brother. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night, and a happy new year, and welcome to 2022. This is Reliving the War, exclusively on the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network. My name is Nimtazor, and as we welcome in a new year, we're going to dial it back to the final year, uh, the final month, sorry, of 1997 in Reliving the War, where we go through the entire Monday Night Wars, starting from King of the Ring 1996 and Bash at the Beach 1996, the two turning points that sort of kicked off this war. Uh, myself and Simon Tackler, my co-host, we've been doing this for a while now. And Simon, first off, Happy New Year. And it's amazing that we got another year ticked off. Oh, Happy New Year. And it is great to finally get this pay-per-view out of the way you know, we were happy to say goodbye to 2021, and I'm happy to say goodbye to 1997 WCW. It's kind of good that we saved this one for the last pay-per-view of 1997. And as always, when it comes to a WCW pay-per-view, we can't relive the war without get someone getting someone to live the war for the first time. Our great buddy Owen Jones joins us, aka Digital Beard, Melbourne's best. And I'm going to underline that twice. Uh, the best, most original photographer that we've got. Owen, happy new year, man. And first up, apologies for making you watch the uh, Starcade 97. But uh, how you been? Hello, my friend. Yes, Melbourne's most imitated photographer. Um, but <laughs> let's, uh, let's keep it on the down low. I'm great. Thank you for having me along for the ride, as always. I mean, what I jumped on, I guess, full-time WCW halfway through the year. And it really ended on a sour note, didn't it? <laughs> um, it was a rough one. But uh, yes, so to, you know, finish out the WCW year, to continue on with the game, I, on December 28th, 1997, I would have been two years, three <laughs> months, and 20, no, and 19 days old. There you go which is the same amount of members that are in the NWO at the time, <laughs> it would seem. But uh, look, let's let's not dance about this. Let's get straight into this paper because there is a lot to talk about and um, there is a lot to get through because let's not, let's not forget to Starcade. Starcade is WCW's WrestleMania. This is the biggest show they've ever done. Starcade predates WrestleMania. So to say, was it 1983 the-, the first ever Starcade I heard Shivani say? Was that was is that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, 85 was WrestleMania, and uh, and yeah, they got uh, this was the original Super Show. This was the the showcase of the Immortals. Okay. Um, but but let's start off by getting into the video package because color me. Call- I'm, I'm, I'll give credit where credit is due. We often, you know, just absolutely rain on WCW's video parade. But this time around, pretty impressive, I thought. What did you reckon, Simon? 
Okay, look, it is a very good video. This is WCW's maybe most iconic intro video. It's Sting, it's in an old building, it's raining, there's a voiceover. It's basically the trailer for The Crow, but it's very good. My only problem with it is, is that it's a great video, but they use the exact same cut on episodes of Nitro and as the ad for Starcade. So, you know, the shine was taken off it. Because put it this way, WWE's greatest, uh, you know, hype video was my way. But would it be as special if that package was shown on Raw 10 times and also the ad for WrestleMania? <laughs> and also another thing, because wrestling is always a few years behind of pop culture references. Whatever they're referencing is usually outdated already. This is Starcade 97. The Crow came out in 94. That's so funny. <laughs> To go back to your little uh, to, to talking about the video package, you're right. It is a phenomenal video package, but it's almost like the intro, the like the game intro to a video game. You know, at the first time you sit there and watch it, next every time you just like press start. Just yeah, the title <laughs> yeah <screen>. exactly. <laughs> but um, Owen, what did you reckon about this? Uh, just to, the first impressions once you hit play on the network and see that super package. Uh, my first note was, is this the best WCW intro of all time? But then my second note, as Simon kind of stated, my second note was, is the, was this video package directed by Alex Proyas, who was <laughs> yes. the director of The Crow? Exactly. Because <laughs> that was like, it was pretty much the, like, like the middle, like the middle section of The Crow when he starts whipping ass. Like when he just falls out of the when he falls from the building and drops down to the street in the middle of the rain, as Simon would know, as we fanboy about this movie quite often when we catch up. Amazing movie. Um, also, also do you think Sting has ever watched The Crow? That's what I was thinking while watching the video. <laughs> it feels like he does a good job, but it almost feels like he probably hasn't watched the movie. He probably thinks Eric Draven's like a guy in the production truck. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can I can probably I'm gonna say that he hasn't seen it because because <laughs> yeah, like Scott Hall had to give him advice because I remember Scott Hall says do take his shtick like yeah. that's the advice. That's- oh, okay. <laughs> I must say though, for the second time this year, um, Tony Schiavone mentioned scalp ticket scalpers. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's get straight into the intro because so it's Dusty Tony and Mike Tanay. There, there's no Bobby Heen in there. But and they explain the- it, don't they? Like later on in the show, do they? They explain why, like, he wasn't there. Like, kayfabe. it was like it was like a kayfabe. It was like a storyline. Yeah, thing. right. There you go. Yeah. Did not, oh, I must have missed that one. But um, I, I do love, and I quote: Tony says straight off the top, scalpers have been out in force. Yeah. Well, uh, no doubt they had to be out in force with the amount of WCW talent in the crowd watching it in street clothes. Yeah, I seeing Mortis in that- casual is is the most hilarious thing I've ever seen because, I- like. <laughs> I wrote the same thing, but also I pop for the fact that Hugh, like everyone was like, you know, front row, like, yeah, Mortis was front row next to Alex Wright, which also confused me. But also the fact, I pop for the fact that Hugh Morris was shoved up the back, like in the bleachers. Mm. Yeah. So you got Harlem Heat in the crowd. You've got all of these WCW wrestlers in the crowd. No wonder no one get a ticket, Tony. You've just got to pay for it to like employees and friends only. And another thing too, Dusty Rhodes said destiny about 58 billion times. Now, my note here is that Dusty seems like he's a non-playable character in Grand Theft Auto that you keep going up to and talking in a pub. Because he just kept saying destiny, destiny, destiny. But they do sell it from the get-go. This is the biggest pay-per-view, the most important pay-per-view ever in WCW history. And 
I'm not going to say that this is hyperbole because Simon, let's face it, at the time it was. This was, and this ended up being at the end of WCW's run, their biggest pay-per-view ever, the most pay-per-view buys ever. It felt like a big deal, but I reckon this was almost um, the boy who cried wolf for WCW. I don't think anyone ever really trusted them on promoting a show after this one. Yeah, that's the part that sort of really lets things down because it's such a perfect story. It really is the perfect story. And look, we'll get to the main event in just a minute and the entire story, but the entire narrative throughout the entire pay-per-view is Sting versus Hollywood Hulk Hogan. But we'll start off with the first match, which is Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko. I got to say this, Eddie as an a-hole is very, very underrated. I absolutely love him. And Owen, I can see you grinning like a Cheshire cat there. So we'll t- let's get your thoughts, man. Oh, I, 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 yeah. Heel, heel Eddie, is, this is the best era of Eddie Guerrero, I think. And I've, I think we've discussed it a lot throughout the past few months, but hands down, this is the best era of Eddie Guerrero you'll ever see. Um, So like when I watch these shows, I, I don't, I don't look at the card until the first match, like the, the music of the first match like plays. And when I saw Malenko come out, I'm like, Oh yeah, cool. You know, Malenko kicking off the pay-per-view. But then I heard the start of like, like that baseline of Guerrero's music. I'm like, yeah, this is going to be sick. Like this match is going to be sick. And I was proved I was proven right. Cause this match was awesome. Very stiff, a very, very stiff match. And it, but the thing is too, Simon, now we've watched a lot of WCW um, and this wasn't the usual sort of flippy spot fest cruiserweight sort of match. No, it wasn't. It was a lot slower and kind of a, I guess, a throwback to their matches from ECW. So when they were both still in ECW, just before they got signed uh, by Eric Bischoff, they put on a couple of classics there and they stood out because they were unlike anything ECW was doing at the time. They had a best two out of three falls match and they're some of my favorite matches. So I was looking forward to this. This match, I didn't remember. And I think I remembered why I didn't remember it because it's not as good as those ones. It's Mm. still good though. It's a different kind of opener though. It isn't fast paced. So it's kind of weird getting into it first. You expect more, you know, fast paced and high flying moves. But in terms of wrestling quality, it doesn't get get better than this in 97. It's um, it's kind of like a precursor to like the light heavyweight division, isn't it? It's like a little bit of flippy stuff, but it's more like technical wrestling. Yeah, this is and what main like, event yeah. uh, twenty twenty era wrestling looks like. It's a little bit high flying, very technical and solid. Yeah, a lot more character work in here too. Like you know, Eddie is really like he's not relying on you know everyone knows that he can go, but now there's those he he does, he panders to the crowd. He does sort of stuff like that. Like he interacts. He's more of he's I don't know he he, th- he throws in a bit more of character work here because like the, the smarmy looks to the camera, you know, all that sort of stuff where he screams at the crowd and that he's so much better than them and, and- just a dirty dirty heel sort of tactics and i love it yeah like and then when he, when he's like when malenko is getting the better of him like he like got on his knees and started like pleading to him he's oh and then like and when like when i picked up when he went to like it was like he wanted to forfeit and he went to shake malenko's hand but he had his fingers crossed behind his back <laughs> that was really really cool i'm like oh he's, he's you bastard like it's such a cool little thing um, there's one thing I picked up on though, and this is like a bit of foreshadowing because during, because you know how, you know what, like WCW, like they'll mention, they'll talk about the match for like two seconds and they'll talk about the main event for another half hour during the, the, during the opening match. They talk about how the, 
all the referees' names were put in a hat to be drawn out for the mm-hmm. main event. Um, and then, like, you know, they'll talk about Nick Patrick and how he's, you know, he's a dodgy ref and, you know, he's got the alliance with WC, with um, NWO because he was the NWO ref for a while. But, you know, he's really unreliable and dodgy. It was foreshadowing because the referee of the juniors of the Cruiserweight match was Charles Robinson. And what happens a year later in WCW? Little Nate. WCW and their corrupt refs. Come on, yeah, guys. <laughs> I was going to say, I love how much refereeing is a part of this pay-per-view. Like you mentioned there, the biggest pay-per-view ever, and they drew the referee for their biggest match ever from a hat. <laughs> I just think that's so funny. It almost, yeah, it's the most WCW thing. Also, one thing I noticed tying in the main event to this match, a sign on camera said, Hogan is older than dirt. And we've explained how that was a joke at the time. Everyone in WCW, oh, so old, wheelchair wrestling, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Hulk Hogan was 44. For context, Brock Lesnar is 44. Like, it's just wow. so funny that at the time we were like, you're so old, you know? Yeah, it, 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 I think it's the fact that, like, you know, it, it didn't help that, <laughs> that Hogan was a bald dude with, yeah. with a Fu Manchu. <laughs> And 40, 44-year-old Hulk Hogan is very different to 44-year-old Brock Lesnar. So. <laughs> very much so. Um, um, I so- must say, real quickly, there was one spot the entire match that popped me more than anything was when Eddie was on his knees and then he sprinted out of the ring on his knees. <laughs> like, I think he moved quicker on his knees, running on his knees, than he did running the ropes on his feet. It popped me so much. Yeah, heel yeah. Eddie Guerrero. It was like full, like level. it was like proper like strides though. It wasn't just like shuffling. Mm. He like did like proper running strides. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, so Eddie uh, Eddie gets the win with the frog splash to Malenko's knee, and the best part about it too, I love how he smack talks the camera at the end too. Like he ain't done. <laughs> like, yeah, that's another nice little touch there. As we get onto our next little segment, which is Scott Hall, he comes out with a t-shirt t-shirt over the long sleeve sort of look, which I still rock every winter looking like I'm a member in a 28 days film clip. But um, <laughs> he goes and does another survey time. And the best part about the survey time is I love how Tony Schiavone's talking back to Scott Hall, like Scott Hall can hear <laughs> Oh my God. And, and here's another one. When the giant comes out, he says the line, I'm going to be professionally wrestling for a long time. He said that in 1997, and boy, was he right. He wasn't lying. I I did want to say, though, like, this was cool to see one of Scott Hall's promos on pay-per-view. We haven't seen a lot to see him do the the Hey Yo shtick and the survey. It's all amazing. One of the best, like, you know, catchphrase-type acts of the Attitude Era. But considering the amazing 1997 he had, almost every pay-per-view we've said Scott Hall, you know, put in a great performance. For him not to have a real match on Starcade is just insane. Like that is mm. some WCW BS. Like one of your MVPs just in a promo. Now, had the Wolfpack formed at this point? Oh, as in the original Wolfpack of Hall, Nash, and Waltman. Waltman's gone, so not oh. the other and not the faction Wolfpack. Yeah, like they're, they're, oh, okay. called, they're colloquially known as the Wolfpack. Okay, but, yeah, but- that's what I was. Because Shivani's like, oh, the, the founder of the Wolfpack. I'm like, but NWA Wolfpack aren't a thing yet. Okay, now it makes sense. Yeah. Because yeah. it's kind of like how everyone starts referring to the click. Like, the click was never a faction. It is, like, in retrospect, like, the Mandela effect is, oh, yeah, the click was running what? Well, no, no, the click didn't exist. They weren't on it TV, existed yeah. A, yeah, it, it exists as a DVD. 
but it was never an on-air thing. Like, so if that's, yeah. So that's just like, that's essentially the backstage name for Hall, uh, Waltman and Thingy that sort of made it on screen. But while we're talking about Scott Hall, I got to say, he doesn't get the credit that he deserves for being the guy to make others look like a million bucks. Cause he, he, like, for example, like the giant looks like a million bucks here and DDP doing the diamond cutter after he turns down being in the NWO. Tell me that's not the biggest pop ever. Yeah, and it's all down to Scott Hall being, you know, willing to do that and willing to take an ass kicking because he was the one guy out of the original NWO to never be a world champion. You know, Nash Mm. was, Hogan was. Hall was just kind of the guy to keep it all together. And he did that here. Nash is away. We should explain that. Uh, he's out for this pay-per-view. So Giant doesn't have an opponent. So they kind of do this segment. And I'll tell you what, because of the way Hall set it up, Giant gets gigantic reactions. He presses Hall, he choke slams him, he jackknifes him, and they just lose their minds. One last one, talking about Scott Hall and talking about him being not a former world champion. He's only ever had two title shots in both WCW and WWE in um like for the world title and that was king of the was it no royal rumble 1993 against bret hart uh in a banger of a match and um against sting at is it is it super brawl 98 oh a bit of a spoiler but yeah i think that's it yeah yeah so out of his entire career only two world title matches Wait, wait so one of the greatest wrestlers of all time was never heavyweight champion he was never a mark to use scott hall's own words i'm not a mark myself there you go well he comes from the era of wrestling where you could be one of the best ever and you didn't have to be world champion you know him roberts perfect roberts piper dibiase whereas now if a guy isn't world champion in two years everyone complains on the internet that he's not being pushed enough yeah so now i'm like yeah it's a whole nother topic but would you rather Scott Hall's career or Alberto Del Rio, who's, I don't know, a 10-time champion or some shit? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, But like, just before we put a quick bow on it, like, look at Sheamus's career with all the championships that he's won. Like, He's literally, I think, a US title off from completing an entire Grand Slam. Or oh, no, he's won one. That. He's everything. No, it's the Intercontinental oh, title that he hasn't oh, really? had. Huh. It's one title that he doesn't have. But yeah, he's almost won everything except for the Intercontinental title. Meanwhile, Rowdy Roddy Piper, only an intercontinental champion in the WWE. Yep. Like it sort of it sort of sums it up there. But to but, bring uh, it back to 1997, great segment. Oh, very good segment. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed yeah. it. I thought Honestly, it was really cool. It's one of the highlights of the show. Scott and- Hall looked amazing, like on the mic. He sounded great. He got his point across. And then Giant came off super strong. Everyone goes home happy. All right, let's get to our next match, which is this absolute barnstormer. Scott Norton and Vincent, the heavyweights of the NWO, taking on the Steiners and Ray Trailer. <laughs> yeah, and look, now- no, it was uh, Norton and Vincent, and the ring announcer said, and Conan, but then he stopped, and then Conan never showed up, and they never explained where Conan was. He got cut yeah. off by Scott Norton. Scott Norton grabbed the mic out of his hand. Yeah, yeah. How weird. Note, n- note one. Where is Conan? Yeah. And everyone should be in the ring asking, where's Conan? (laughs) (laughs) However, you get a hell of a substitute because Randy Savage is in place of Conan. 
And the, this is this is my favorite line. As Randy Savage is making his entrance, Dusty Rhodes says, "No one has been in the biggest events more than this man," because you can't obviously say WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, look, I I've my my note. The first one to as the match uh, my match note is. This is like someone has hit random character on the select screen in WCW and WRO Revenge. Yeah. It, it's it's so hodgepodge, isn't it? Why would this be on Starcade? Norton, Vincent, and Savage against the Steiners and Ray Trailer. We've never seen any of these guys do anything together. It just felt like kill some time. We need to get Savage on the card. You can replace Conan because somehow we didn't write Randy Savage a match for Starcade. <laughs> let's let's just get into the match because it's a it's it's a hodgepodge as I sort of said and it just looks like a bunch of people in the ring for no reason. Randy Savage just seems to be like he or to 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 give him give him his flowers. He does put on a great show but he always does. He's that neurotic. And um, there there are some pretty cool spots there too. There's also some absolute botched names of commentary from Tony Schiavone too. I think at one point he refers to an electric chair on Steiner as a fall away slam but um, aside from that look I don't know what you sort of say about this match that's super positive um, the one positive I can bring for this match is that Scott Steiner's ponytail has been cut boys <laughs> we are I think we're at 99.99% there yep. I think I think all we need to do is peroxide the hair and we're, we're cooking with gas baby the ponytail's mm. got no the other thing we need is the singlet straps to disappear. So yep. the final two steps, bleach and the straps, but we are so close. He cut the ponytail. He looks wrong though. He looks like it he looks cut weird, it himself. It? Like it's not a real haircut. He just was like, <laughs> no, nah, I'm done. So we'll see. I actually, I thought Ray Trailer looked better in this match than we've ever seen him in WCW. He was moving quick, doing some boss man stuff. Like it wasn't amazing, but it was good for him. Now, before you mentioned the age of Hulk Hogan at this time, how old oh, no. do you think Big Boss Man was in this pay-per-view? Probably mid-30s. He was 34. Oh, my God. Jeez. He's my age. Oh, my oh God. wow. He looks like he could be my dad in 97. Wow. Why did <laughs> why did these guys age so terribly? That Wait, is do, do, does your dad also have a um a redneck uh, a redneck rebellion <laughs> tattoo on his right bicep? Yeah, my dad loves the Confederacy. Yep. <laughs> and he often said in disciplining you and your brother uh, that you know he'll take you to Cobb County, Georgia and give you some hard times. <laughs> yep. If you nice step thing. out of line. <laughs> I just like the idea that he's steady the kitchen doing the twirly thing that boss man always does going you eat yeah <laughs> but look, let, let's let's uh, let's get back to the match because like there is there is some cool little spots there like there's a frankensteiner dished out everyone's sort of doing their greatest hits oh. unfortunately though out of the six participants in there only two of them have greatest hits and the rest are just sort of filling out albums. The Frankensteiner that Scott Steiner hit on Vincent was immaculate. Vincent like legit floated from the front corner to the middle of the ring and then just plopped. It was gorgeous. If you could call a wrestling move gorgeous, it was that. <laughs> and the Steiners also hit their electric chair, like elevated top rope DDT. Which yeah. should have ended the match. I can't remember who, but someone kicked out of it or it was broken up. 
that should end every match. That movie's insane. Also, I also love how Macho did more or less like he opened the match, got trash canned, and then just came in for the finish and dropped the elbow. Oh, he, he was going to be in this match. He was going to win it. Just, yeah, he was going to rock <laughs> yeah. up. What about the ovation he got for the elbow drop? People in 97 loved elbow drops. Like, well, it is smooth as butter. It's the best elbow that you will see. And and whoop. the way that it just looks like somehow he just, like, it becomes the world's biggest elbow. Like, his arm just looks so much more jacked when well, he's flying how, off that top rope. How fresh back from double knee surgery was he from the um, ill-fated uh, cage jump? He hasn't got the surgery yet. He works through oh, it for really? about a year like a maniac. Jesus Christmas! Yeah, I thought yeah, because, he went straight away. No, 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 because he's still got—he's still got to do the wolf pack. Mm. <laughs> oh my god! That's that's actually one of the reasons why, like you know, in an ultimate in an alternate timeline uh, where the wolf pack actually has a full run before, because like midway through like 1998, towards the t- the back end, they kind of have to really course correct where the wolf pack is just literally like Conan. Um, it's Conan. Kevin Nash, and for some reason, Disco Inferno starts running around with them. Do you remember that? Like the Disco Inferno sort of being in the Wolfpack? We'll get to that. Yeah, he keeps trying to do like an initiation, and then he's kind of actually in the group. Like, yeah, uh... it's a bizarre one, but yeah. So, and then, and then when Randy Savage inevitably does come back, it's midlife crisis, yep. uh, Macho Man Randy Savage with like the the mesh t-shirts with stars all over it and the the infamous theme song of what up much <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> and also by then the nwo has reformed with the wolf pack and it's all over like it's just yeah wrap it all up um speaking of macho man though i've 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 noticed this for what the last six months i've been on here regularly NWO era Elizabeth, she looks like she's lost all the time. Like when she walks out, she just kind of like is like looking everywhere, going, "Am I supposed to be here? Like, is this is this cool for if I rock up now?" She looks so awkward and lost. To be, and then she just like stands ringside doing like absolutely nothing. Like, and then on- runs around when Marcho's on the floor. Honestly, in hindsight, as great as she was, and she is iconic. That's pretty much all she ever did no but like that's a bit hard like because in in wcw that's all she did but in oh, yeah. wwf like she was glorious she, she was very she much do? cry no, and she... run off yes the, no, no, but, but, but you know like like she was always the like you know the damsel in distress yeah, yeah. sort of thing like you know you, you like anytime macho man would have like jake the snake beating him up or something the camera always goes to elizabeth oh, doing that's the true actually like, you're right she would yeah. have really good reactions. Whereas in WCW, Main... she was like, I don't care about any of this. Yes. Can I just say but, um... at this point in the show, I made a note. I wrote this and WrestleMania in 1997 were both terrible. I don't think mm. in a single year, <laughs> both companies had a worse, you know, their mega show. Mega show. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. When you put it that way, like, you know, cause what's, we absolutely. What's worse mania 13 or Starcade 97. Actually. It's Starcade. Mania at least <laughs> has one of the best matches of all time to save it. And the, and the street fight. And the street fight. Surprisingly yeah, good, as we always good. say. Um, now, Simon and Nims, uh, do you want to have a stab at what Daddy Dave Meltzer gave this match? The six man? Yes. Oh, minus one. Half a star. Oh, okay. half a st- that's half a star too much. That's all I, that's all I can say. Um, no, the, the next match got zero stars. Oh, oh well, wow. well, we'll... 
we will get to that next match in just a moment because we've got to get through uh, another hotline plug here. Um, now, here's, here's the fun one. This is just a production note that I'd noticed. You know how normally they've got the number is no longer active covering the, the, the number? Yeah, it was a blur this time around. Mm. So um, now, th- th- is it just me too? Did Mean Gene really slur his words a lot in this, <laughs> this one? It didn't seem like Gino was had his heart in this uh, in this cell as they announced that Nick Patrick would be the referee. Him and Miss Elizabeth might have been celebrating early backstage or something. Everyone's <laughs> just kind of out of it for this show. They've celebrated too early. That's what it was. They kept saying this is the greatest, biggest show ever. But you know, you got to put in the work first. You can't celebrate early. Yeah. <laughs> very strange there okay now let's get to the famous zero star match it is bill goldberg versus mongo in a alternate horrible universe this is the omega okada of crap matches um bill <laughs> goldberg the best part that i love is on the on his little nameplate thing it actually says bill goldberg like we need i'd, I'd love to actually go back and find when they drop the bill much Ooh. like they this is one thing that we'll learn. We'll learn that Ultimate Dragon and Bill Goldberg were two things back in the day. But and um, also, where, where, do you reckon it was like the same time when Perry Satin gained a first name? <laughs> um, that was the trade-off. Bill Bill lost his first name and Satin gained one. Yeah, Bill had to leave so Perry could live. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so now, did you find that Mongo, even though he's clearly the bigger name out of these two guys at this point in time, he's treated like an absolute jobber? Oh, at this point, they were like, Goldberg is the football guy that we're putting all of our eggs into his basket. We've given up on Mongo. It's Goldberg all day for this match. Um, to the point but- where, where Goldberg actually picks up Mongo like a toddler and takes him to the ring. I was going to say that spot was pretty cool. He carries him from the entrance all the way back to the ring. And then the crowd is really into Goldberg. They're already doing a Goldberg chant, but it's not the classic Goldberg. Mm. They don't know how to do it yet. And they were doing it really fast. It was like Goldberg, Goldberg. It's not mm. right. Yeah, it's really not. And um, as I sort of said, like this is, a, this is a different sort of Goldberg. They haven't quite figured out yet. He's whipping out submission holes and things like that. Now, when you... When you uh, first saw this Goldberg match, now you've been conditioned, Owen, to see like they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty much one and done. He's kind of like a human highlight reel of just two-minute matches and you're done. When you see Goldberg pulling out submissions, what's your reaction to that one? Yeah, I was quite surprised by that. Um, yeah, as I said, you said, you know, I'm kind of used to like the one-minute matches, um, like, you know, the Brock Lesnar 20, uh, 2016 uh, Survivor Series one when he just ripped that out of nowhere. Um, one of my first notes is actually um, like a week close to really like when they really started like pulling the streak and stuff and like count like counting numbers and match wins and stuff is like have we kind of or are we yeah. too are we still far away from like them really starting to like cotton onto the streak? The streak almost literally happens overnight, like. You see, like they, they they do have a bit of stock in Goldberg, but then isn't it like randomly on Nitro you get like a, a Mike Tanay fudging numbers like oh this is win number ninety two for Goldberg yeah. he's undefeated. <laughs> I think it started in earnest. They were like oh he's won twenty times, but yeah, then all of a sudden it was like forty two, fifty six. Like and it was like when did you wrestle this much? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> look, I, I I don't think Gold, I didn't I don't think old mate Bill was doing the house loop. 
Yeah, no, no. It, it's no. really he ain't making bad. towns <laughs> for, for Goldberg. Two things like whether they're fully true or not, the perception became reality. Two things they piped in his chance and they fudged the numbers. We don't know to what extent, <laughs> even if it was just slightly, everyone wrote it off at a certain point. It was like, ah, it's all BS with Goldberg, you know, to the point where. Now, I don't know if you remember this in how how deep down the rabbit hole you were back in like uh, 1999 when when the early like GeoCity sites came out. But there was actually a, a group called Fans Against Goldberg <laughs> talking about how much they hated Goldberg. And obviously they had a very poor acronym, as you could gather. I was about but, to um, say for 1999, <laughs> did yeah. they realize the acronym? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Was but, it um, people? No, Fans, fans Against, against, Goldberg. against Goldberg. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where where they would be sort of saying like you know like oh Goldberg's like, and you know they'd encourage people if you're going to shows bring a Goldberg sucks chant uh, Goldberg sucks crowd you know uh, like call out like prove that they've piped out the piped in the sound so yeah Goldberg really didn't have a a good sort of uh, run there. Speaking of chants, did you notice the ECW chant when he brought in the table? Yeah. Like even in '97, like AC Dub is probably at its peak. Would you say? Yeah, just when about. When was yeah, when was, we, when was we, uh, Billy Legal? '97. Yeah, yeah. So it probably would be around that time. And we're just about to hit the heat wave '98. Yeah. So, um, as we sort of said, Goldberg brings in a table. Eventually, goes through it. Well, puts Mongo through it, and uh, gets a jackhammer for the win. And there you go, Bill Goldberg gets the one up on Mongo. There was a there was a line of commentary at the start where I actually replied to the television. Um, Tony Giovanni was, "This is a match we've been waiting for, waiting a while for." Have we really, Tony? Mm. Ask you. I maybe ask yourself that again because I definitely wasn't waiting for this match at all. I think and when Shivani, I saw it on the card, I'm like, ah, maybe not. Shivani was happy to just see Mongo wrestle someone other than Jeff Jarrett. Like we're finally <laughs> right. out of the loop. Exactly. We're done with all of that stuff. No more Halliburton's. Um, so then we get to our next match, uh, which uh, first off it's Raven coming out. He does one of his little Raymond soliloquies calling. And this is, this is what's really odd yeah, with, with uh, hindsight. He calls for the destruction of Chris Benoit. We'll, we'll move on to the, the next, <laughs> the meat and potatoes of the match. It's Perry Satin versus Chris Benoit. Benoit comes out and does his own awful promo. Like, <laughs> so oh, bad. oh, geez. How, how Benoit on the stick is painful. They've yeah. done this a few times with on pay per view. Somehow on pay per view, we've seen more Chris Benoit promos than Scott Hall promos. Someone <laughs> was really willing to give him a go, and they were like, and he can cut a good promo eventually. He cannot or stop doing it. Someone was trying to rib Benoit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're it's, like, there's two, there's two sides of that coin. So, um, it's it's a even though it, this is a, a Ravens rules match, isn't it? Like, it's yes. Aside from a little bit of interference from the flock, is it's just a normal match? Like it's a normal match. No one's like you know. There was no weapons, was there? There's no Not weapons. Really. No one's bringing out the famous stop sign that WCW used so many times. Like, there's no blood. It's just literally a standard Benoit match that, to be quite honest, he looks like he's phoning in. Except the flock could interfere without getting uh, DQ'd. That was about yeah, the extent it. of Raven's that's rules. It, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, well, I didn't think this was a bad match. 
I thought compared to what we had seen with Mongo and Goldberg in the six man, this was a breath of fresh air. Saturn did a nice Asai moonsault to the outside. Um, Benoit jumps, you know, gets jumped by the flock. He does a massive headbutt from like one corner of the ring to the other. They did a very few, cool. few good spots. They worked hard at least. And when you say he did a, uh, and just to emphasize this in case anyone hasn't seen this, when you say Benoit did a, um, a flying headbutt from one corner to the other, we're not talking about parallel corners. If he's on like, di- I'm talking diagonally, like that's how much distance this guy got. It was insane. Mm, yeah. Um, but and then yeah, it so just I, ended. That was the worst thing ends. about it. Just Raven <laughs> hit a DDT. He's like, all right, end it. DDT and the rings of Saturn. Yeah. Full stop. It's just like, righto, we're done here. Um, <laughs> I will ask you one thing, Owen, though. Are you surprised at how protected Raven's DDT is? Yeah. Um, it was kind of like Jake the Snake levels, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Jake's, um, not Jake, sorry. Raven's even flow is the one. It's like it's like a Jerry Lawler pile driver. It's yeah. like, it's just, it's the ultimate uh, finishing move for them. Like, And I always find that really funny. But um. Uh, we'll move on to our next match, which is Buff Bagwell versus Lex Luger. Totally Buff explodes two years before they become totally Buff. Um, the best part about this, I love how Buff decides at the start to call Luger Lex Loser. Yeah. But um, he, says he has the, a new nickname, and he's for so the proud one million so time. I got to say yeah, though, but that's why we love Buff in this era. He was just a cheesy douchebag heel. He had. Three signs in the crowd during his entrance. He was over. One said, I'm Mark for Buff. Buff is the stuff. He's the real total package. Like people were on board with him. It was good. Yeah, Buff Daddy was the thing. He yeah. really was a thing. Especially um, when he got his own theme music. Like he's still oh. using the NWO one. When he gets his Buff Daddy music, it's good. <laughs> Do you remember in, in the Buff Daddy music, there's a line where he goes, I'm simply delicious. <laughs> so good and we're not really in top hat era of buff either that's another (laughs) level too with it airbrushed at the top of the top (laughs) his head on the top of the hat it's amazing smiling pointing at the hat that's that's (laughs) the best part about the top hat um but yeah when we're talking more about the entrance of buff's future entrance (laughs) than we are about his actual (laughs) present day match that just tells you everything about the match but um it is god awful it is absolutely god awful and i've figured something else out as we try to, you know, debunk and figure out just what what made Lex Luger so popular, you know how he always does the, the chicken dance and then racks people done, and that, that just absolutely blows the roof off. Have you noticed that he's screaming clotheslines? That's his version of hulking up. So good. Yeah, that you know what this match is boring until the last two minutes because he <laughs> starts hitting the clotheslines and that woke me woke me up too out of a mm. trance. It's clothesline, clothesline, loaded forearm, chicken dance, and it's another level. Screaming clothesline. Too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, as a, as a little bit of a as a little bit of like a sub story of this pod, of this podcast, even since I started when I was a, a guest every so often um, at the start of the run, I'm a hundred percent Lex Luger fan. Now, <laughs> if you go back to Hogwild 96, I was not on board. I was not on the Lex express, even though Lex express left station in 1993. Hmm. 
I'm on board now. I'm popping for every time Luger comes out. I'm popping for everything he does. As you said, Simon, this match went for way too long. This match went for 16 way and a half long. minutes when it could have gone for 10. But as soon as they hit those lariats, I'm like, this is good. Really fun. Yeah, the yeah, ending was awesome. Sick. Did you happen to notice though, like the, the the torture rack that he did on Randy Savage just seemed really half-assed. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like, eh, yeah, he didn't want to hurt him. I think he didn't want to hurt him. But the reactions though, if you're watching it on mute, you might think, oh, it's a boring torture rack. With the sound on, with that Starcade crowd, when he throws, he throws Vincent, who interferes at buff, massive reaction. Savage runs in, racks him too. Bigger reaction. The last two minutes of any Lex Luger match in this era are so fun to watch. Mm. <laughs> they could have saved the show here and then Lex Luger lost. I thought that was so stupid. Oh, yeah. not, not only that too. Is that not the world's slowest run-in by Scott Norton? <laughs> yeah, Scott Norton's strolling. There are glaciers, that, and not, <laughs> not the actual glacier, but I'm talking icebergs that move quicker than Scott Norton did coming to the ring. Yeah, Scott Norton was waiting for... name was Flash. He was quite slow, you know? Scott Norton was waiting for the Titanic. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. Also, what he handed... I know foreign objects can be literally anything. You know, they'll put a piece of plastic in their hand. But Scott Norton hands Buff a dog collar... And somehow that, dog collar. yeah, and somehow that knocks out Lex Luger. <laughs> oh, leather, my one weakness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lex, yeah. Luger, Lex Luger was a vegan, surely. He's <laughs> yeah, like, oh, get away. Uh, yeah, like NW get the wing, and I get the wind. Sorry, I'm thinking. Chicken wings, <laughs> but um, uh, I've put the put the line here in capital letters with an enormous amount of exclamation points. Too long. It ate time out of the next match, which was relatively good. Kurt Hennig versus DDP. Now yeah. DDP comes out with the taped up ribs, as is the style at the time. But um, the, the thing that I absolutely loved was talking about Dusty commentary. Dusty talking about uh, DDP doesn't have a chance to to have his, he, uh, his ribs heal up because he's in Mortal Kombat each night. And that's the reason. And all I can think of is him like, you know, yeah, like no wonder the man can't heal because he's taken on like Shao Kahn and Molina every single Monday to Friday. But um, I got to say, like WCW doesn't do a, like did a lot of minimal amount of things. Like when they did something right, they really did it right. When they did something wrong, they really did it wrong. The Kurt Hennig and DDP story is one of the things I'm going to put down as they're doing kind of all right. Because when you think about it, like, so DDP brings in Kurt Hennig into, into WCW. And that's where, like, from him turning on him at that pay-per-view, uh, which pay-per-view was that? Was that, that was before Fall Brawl. Eh, it's in our archives. You can go back and listen. <laughs> but, um, but you know how he turns and joins, um, he joins the NWO. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, that was War Games. Fall yeah, War Fall Games. yeah, yeah. It's it's the it's the threads here too, and the fact that he then gets he he then gets the um the US title and all that sort of stuff. And DDP, they keep hammering home. He's never won a singles belt. Bloody 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 blah. Well, this is the match that sort of makes DDP. I reckon, like, yes, yes, Macho Man, the feud with Macho really cements him as like a top guy but this is sort of like the rubber stamp from Kurt Hanning and Kurt Hanning is the best dude to work with to do it don't you reckon 
Yeah, I think the NWO really went out of their way to really make DDP. Like you mentioned earlier, Scott Hall taking the diamond cutter and Nash in that great segment. Then Macho Man, the series of matches. But then, yeah, Hennig here putting him over for a championship. That Mm. does it. By the end of 1997, we've seen DDP go from, oh, a guy who's starting to really pick up steam to one of, you know, the saviors of WCW in this match and regaining a title for WCW, taking it back from the NWO. I haven't been a big fan of Hennig's work in WCW that we've seen. Oh, this was yeah, my favorite. <laughs> this this was my favorite match of his so far, though. I thought him and DDP put on a good one. Mm. Well, the thing is, like, how much, and I'll, I'll throw this to you here too, Owen, because, like, obviously... Mr. Perfect is legendary. How hard is it to separate Mr. Perfect matches in the WWF with Kurt Hennig matches in WCW? Yeah, they're they're different, aren't they? Because obviously, like, 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 um, perfect matches. He was always like, like, you know, the baby face, like the chasing baby face. That's that's when you get those gifts of him doing triple back, like triple flip hmm. bumps and stuff like that, and taking stupid like dump bumps on the floor. Whereas you know he enters as like he enters WCW as a bit of like a tweener, and then obviously straight away he's that dastardly heel. Um, but this, I think, this was probably the closest to a perfect match we'd get because it was so so good. He did bits and pieces of he did kind of, it was kind of like a greatest hits to a bit of us with a sprinkle of like the current like at the time the current attitude of of um of Hennig, which yeah. I thought was really cool. Um, I actually didn't write I, I wrote no notes for this match because I was so into it. Like yeah. this match like had me like by the short and curlies. I was so into this match. I I literally wrote three notes, and it was DDP the cameraman. This is an awesome finish. <laughs> I love this match. That's all I wrote. It's also one of the only feel-good moments for WCW in this match. Like, it gets a massive pop when DDP wins the title. And it's literally, it's probably the best part of the show so far, wouldn't you say, Simon? Uh, Well, look, when I was watching this, it was 10 p.m. by this point, and I was hammering (laughs) through the show. So I ordered a pizza, and this is when the pizza arrived. So that put me in a better mood. So I was fine, like really happy. I'm like, I've got pizza and DDP won the world title, like the US title. It felt like I was a little kid again. So my rating is uh, on a different scale. So I'll give it, you know, five pepperonis out of five. It was good. The what, end- what's ironic, what's ironic yeah. though, is it like the last Kurt Hedding match that we watched, I think I was so tuned out for it. I actually <laughs> unstacked the dishwasher, if you remember. Yes. <laughs> That's Kurt Hedding matches. Find something else to do during this. Okay, great. <laughs> I go on, like, sorry. The ending though, like DDP, we've seen him pull out so many sick versions of the diamond oh, cutter. Yeah, yeah. This was kind of simple. It was an Irish whip, but then he came back and did a jump swing around Hedig, diamond yep. cutter, and the crowd went mental. Absolutely burko. Got a real three count, huge celebration from the crowd, and Dusty Rhodes says the diamond cutter is the hold of the 90s. He was kind of right, but really the cutter would be the move of the 2000s and the 10s. We're still mm. not out of this... Every cool move is a cutter error. Well, that's the thing. Every, like on, I think I've probably shared. I, I shared to like our group chat a little while ago. So I can't. It was at a GCW show. Some some guy did like a springboard four fifty cutter. Like what? We <laughs> like, love cutters. 
Yeah, like, that's the thing. Like, it went from just a standard cutter, you know, diamond cutter, and then the RKO, and now people doing like transition four yeah, seven hundred backflips, in, yeah, into yeah. cutters. It's like this move will always get better and better, yeah. but like the the OG is still so badass. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. There, the, the only thing, unfortunately, with this version, uh, if you're watching it on the network, because they've got to overdub. DDP's music, the self high five, mm. the crowd reaction gets slightly muted, and it and it just sounds like they're like, woo, yeah, it, sound, it kind of sounds like a SmackDown versus Raw crowd <laughs> from PlayStation Three, which is a bit of a shame because literally, like, this was a huge moment. Like, DD, this is almost like the equivalent of DDP winning a world championship, which obviously he goes on to do later on. But at the point, in, at this point in time, like, this is really the biggest thing that's happened uh, to DDP, and it sort of you can sort of see like, like we talked a little bit before on how like is the Goldberg streak started? It's like, no, because everyone is on the DDP train right now. Mm. No, it was very obvious as well. Like how everyone was just, you know, all aboard DDP, which is fair enough. It's, 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 it's still crazy. How like, well, he, he was like what 39 when he day de- when he started like debuting and stuff. 35, I think. Wasn't it? Pretty sure it was thirty five, but, but like he was, you know, you know what? Yeah, he what, was, he was, he was. Well, old. boss man, boss man was thirty four at this uh, at this show, you <laughs> yeah. know. So it's wild to think that. And this was his first singles title, and then what? He doesn't win the heavyweight title to what ninety nine, ninety eight. He gets it. Right. He gets it. Oh no, nah, ninety nine, ninety nine. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. And then it kind of just all falls in a heap, and then obviously his WWE run was short lived and shit. Because he used to do the um, did he do the the um, two time, two time, two time WCW champion thing, or was that a that was Booker? Yeah, wasn't it? no, no, that that's the weird thing. DDP did that first, then Booker stole mm. it and made it his thing. Oh. yeah, yeah, because there's a there's a great um when Chris Canyon's on his positively Canyon run in 2000 he he keep he does the best ddp impersonation and he kept and he keeps repeating words like ddp does and saying stuff like bro and jacked but uh (laughs) um, it's just so good but yeah uh definitely definitely a highlight of the uh, paper we'll quickly get to the next segment before we move on and that is the wcw online spot mark madden is behind the keyboard with eddie guerrero and old mate jabroni yeah this is just a fairly interesting spot, I guess. I still miss our, I still miss our old pimply faced teenager, but I think he's long gone. <laughs> we don't know where he is, unless this, this... unless he hit puberty and became Mark Madden overnight. <laughs> <laughs> this was only interesting because he, you always forget that in this era, Eddie Guerrero didn't speak with the exaggerated accent that he would in WWE. So he was hmm. just like. Yeah, I think I had a good match. Yeah, thanks. Good question. <laughs> it's just so weird. Yeah, it, it, there's no Viva La Razas. There's nothing like that. It's very much, it's very much like he's just come to collect his dry cleaning. Like I've got this card, and it's uh... <laughs> so we've got the very soft-spoken Eddie Guerrero um, at the WCW Online spot with Mark Madden. Then we get to the big meat and potatoes of this. The just a month earlier at Survivor Series 1997. Bret Hart unceremoniously left the WWF. This is one of his, is this, it's not his first appearance because he was on Nitro um, for a fair bit um, in the lead up to this, but he comes out as the special guest referee and his budget ripoff WWF music uh, is just something that always pops me for some reason because it's so lame and it's just, 
And you can see Brett is just doing his best to make the best of a situation, can't you? It just, he says it in it, it, his facial expression, just says it all, doesn't it? Look, Brett comes out in plain clothes, no sunnies, and he's got crappy WCW music. I know Bret Hart was like, oh, I'm the stripped down, straight up wrestler, no gimmick, blah, blah, blah. That's crap. Bret Hart is at least 30% presentation. And I love mm-hmm. Bret Hart. But without the music, without the sunnies, without the leather jacket, without the greasy wet hair, it's not the same. Like, this isn't the Bret that we've been watching for, for two years. Yeah, he's a dude. He's just a dude. Mm. Although he, he looks really happy. Like, that's my first note. He actually looks really happy walking out. And you could tell that he was actually, like, really stoked at actually being there. Mm, how things would change in about an hour. But <laughs> he's happy now. Things are going fine. He's really yeah. happy with, with this great business decision. It's all good. You know? All good so far. The checks keep coming in. Uh, but then we get to Eric Bischoff versus Larry Zabisco. Now, Larry uses the Nitro theme to come out, which gives him... A fun fact, this is something that probably a few, a handful of people would only care about, but he's the only one in the WCW NWO Revenge video game that can accurately use the entrance because everyone uses the WCW Nitro theme in that oh, video game if you haven't played it. That is his music. Yeah, yeah. He, he must, Mark Murrow must have wanted it back after <laughs> after he used it at Halloween Havoc. But, um, and Brett's, Brett is also like, uh, what have I written down here? Brett is a referee. <laughs> like Brett is a referee in what looks like two dads fighting in a backyard. The, <laughs> I gotta say though, Bischoff's music doesn't need to go as hard as it did. Like <laughs> Bischoff's entrance music is possibly as good as his WWE "I'm Back" <laughs> and better than ever music. But that, like, that's like top tier yeah. like WWF music. But this music he uses, it shouldn't. Like my legit quote is that it this doesn't need to go as hard as this because mm. oh my god, that music is awesome. And Zabisco's jacket is almost as good as 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 um Bischoff's music. I think Tony Savani summed up my thoughts on this in one of his lines of commentary. What are we doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we can't, we, we can't understate how insane it is that Bret Hart coming off one of the most controversial and talked about matches ever. He's got literally the, everybody in wrestling is wondering what is Bret Hart going to do next? Nobody could have more momentum. Like he's got everything going. He's the face of WWE. He was the face of WWF for ages. WCW were literally handed their next big hero because he was screwed by the machine and they made him a referee for Zabisco and Bischoff. I don't care (laughs) what defense they have. You know, this has been explained for 30 years now or whatever, but no, stupid decision. There's nothing else we can say. Like, why would you do that? The crowd isn't even really into it. Like they don't. It, it's not that it's a dead crowd, but it's a very much a oh, this is what we're getting mm. sort of sort of crowd. It's like it's like when um I don't know the the non the, the complimentary bread comes out. And you're like oh yeah, well this is this is something I guess. <laughs> I didn't order this. Like when they bring out prawn crackers at a Thai restaurant, I hate prawn crackers. I'm like oh, I didn't dude, ask for this. You're Thank you're so you're so wrong with that. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Bret um, Hart is the prawn crackers of WCW. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
when it tastes really nice and like yeah. it's good when you fill it with rice. Yeah, very quiet taste. Yeah, and at the end of the night, someone throws it your way, saying, "Hey, you want to take this home?" <laughs> Costs a dollar a bag. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like now, semi-serious question: um, Why, like, why was Brett refing? Was there like a no compete clause? No. 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 Okay. They thought That's... it would be a good story because he was screwed by a ref. So what if he was a ref? That's about oh, it. that's the worst. <laughs> he knows refing, and that's it. Okay, so put it this way: literally the night after Survivor Series, they could have easily he he could have legally shown up on Nitro, but he didn't. He didn't because out of respect for the WWF. So WCW he's a, because he's a nice Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. So WCW in response had the NWO holding Canadian flags and doing a 50 minute freaking promo. Like they always do. <laughs> then they finally get Brett. Do they make him wrestle? No. <laughs> like you wouldn't do Brett Hart versus Scott Hall on Starcade. You know, <sighs> Hall had no match. They've got great chemistry. 97. They would have killed it. Like, well, mm. did this lead to anything between the two of them? No, nope. because Oh my god! I was so excited. I was like, "Oh, this is going to be an awesome match between Bret Hart and Scott Hall." You're telling me I don't get that? They probably no. do somewhere on Nitro, but it's not what you oh, think. You know, man, I well, was so way. excited. There is a there's a throwaway match on I think on I think a Thunder between Hulk Hogan and Bret Hart, but it's ruined with interference from the NWO. And it like goes for three minutes. Like Bret Hart versus Hulk Hogan was done on Thursday Night Thunder on TBS, <laughs> and for like two minutes. And another, and there was another like even just off the off the top too. Um, the two only feuds that I can think of from Bret Hart was the feud that he had with Sting over like who does the sharpshooter better, which makes sense. Mm. That's the one that makes sense, and the Goldberg one where he gets the chest plate. Mm. That's about but, it. Um, and, but then yeah, that's... and then he gets a broken neck. Mm. Um, yeah. um, but yeah, look, <laughs> th- this is just this is just one of those like there's so many. In, if we talk about this in a meta way, but we've we've done that part. Let's get get to the match because until Bret Hart puts Scott Hall in the sharpshooter, which Scott Hall sells like death, I should point oh, out. How so good. good is it? And he's probably the pop it? of the night when Hall interferes and gets put in the sharpshooter. That is the biggest reaction so far. Hmm. That's yeah. I actually have written that as the biggest pop of the night was a monster pop for that sharpshooter. It was so sick because everyone is thinking like you did, Owen, going, "Oh, this is going to be great." Imagine Scott Hall versus Bret Hart. Exactly. Nope. (laughs) But um, if we get to, can we talk quickly talk about the finish of this match though? Because Larry (laughs) Zabisco chokes Eric Bischoff, and that's the win. Well, we never really see an official win. There's no hand dropping. There's no tap out. There's no saying uncle. Brett just stands up, walks up to Larry and raises his hand. Yeah. Okay. But also we've skipped past the part where a metal plate goes flying about 35 rows back into the crowd out of (laughs) Eric Bischoff's shin guard. Yeah, because so... Hall loads Bischoff's foot with a piece of metal, and when he yes. kicks the Bisco, that piece of metal, we <laughs> don't know. Out of his yeah, if you caught that in the crowd, what a great souvenir! But if you weren't ready for it yet, yeah, probably killed someone. Mm. 
Yeah, like I was watching it and you, you just see this like little silver object go whoosh like out of the side of the screen. Mm. It's almost like, like oh, no. it's like a really budget version of the time when Brock Lesnar threw a car door into the crowd. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> he throws a car that. door from the entrance ramp and it goes into the crowd. I love that. Crazy. I got All right, we'll so get... this match though, we should say this wasn't the main event, but it had the highest stakes because if Zabisco won, WCW Nitro would stay WCW. But if Bischoff won, it would become NWO Nitro. So this match was for the for control of the company, but also this is why uh, Bobby Heenan in story wasn't on the show because the Nitro before, he sold out and joined the NWO because mm. he thought they would win. So anyway, on Nitro the next night, he just sits down at the desk and he was like, oh, hey guys, I thought, you know, I always thought WCW would win. And he yeah, does the George Costanza. Yeah, it's worth looking <laughs> up. It's pretty good. He just pretends like he, yeah, I always work here. Exactly. So. <laughs> but uh, let's get to the main event. This is the biggest match in WCW history. And to put it in perspective, Fall Brawl 1996 was the last time Sting wrestled. This is December 1997. It's been a long, long time away from the ring from Sting. It is an epic entrance for Sting too. And it also in the in the transition as they do the intro and play the play all the pomp and circumstance, you know, the thunder and the lightning, when Sting's music kicks in, doesn't it seem like someone just hit next in Windows Media Player and it just yeah. skips like there's no fade out or anything. It's like, all right, next here we go. But um yeah, what do we think first off of the uh, the presentation to start off this match? Oh, that was the coolest thing ever. Like that was the coolest entrance I've seen in my life. Like the, <laughs> like it would do. I, I was popping for it. I'm like, this is wild. Like the lightning bolts, like f- and like forming the animations and everything. It was so cool. Like I was genuinely like mind blown. Like, and the fact like that was 1997, mm-hmm. and like the likeness to Sting on those faces was pretty damn close. Like, I was yeah. very impressed by all, by all the animation and, like, the lightning bolt art, as you could call it. And they had the creepy kid doing the voiceover before he came out, like, you know, redoing that sort of Crow-style so um, explanation. Cool. It was all good. The only thing that ruined it, though, after all of what we've seen Sting do on Nitros and pay-per-views, he just casually strolls out looking bored didn't come Hi from guys. the yeah didn't come Hi. from the, no crowd didn't come from the rafters just oh yeah hey guys uh yeah. hey wearing main event wearing essentially like you know that that weird bodysuit thing because he's clearly out of shape as well yeah he had shoulder pads on it's like you know we can those see like, your shoulders those, under the jacket like those like ribbed shoulder pads yeah. it was so strange and he had ribbed thighs as well it's like you know we can see them, right? They should be under your clothes, not above. Um, can, can I say something really quick about yeah. um, Buffer's introduction of Hulk Hogan? Because I popped mega for when he said his face is recognized in all seven continents. <laughs> I lost my mind. You got like all the polar bears and penguins in Antarctica. Oh, I love Hulk Hogan. Yes. Dude. He's Inuit's uh, Hulkamaniacs through and through. <laughs> Hulkamania's running wild everywhere. And also Hulk Hogan on his entrance. That's the contrast. Sting's wearing shoulder pads. He looks bored. Hulk Hogan 
almost purposely got in the best shape he could at this point to show Sting up. He was tanned. He was ripped. Oh. He looked good. He went to his tan lady with his wife's like Gucci bag. Going, <laughs> see this? See this leather handbag? This is what I want. Yeah, I want to be a leather yeah. handbag. Yeah, dial it up, brother. <laughs> <laughs> and famous, he got, he, he got the Ross from Friends tan. <laughs> and famously, it was all about the tan because you know the story goes that Hogan saw Sting backstage and said, you know, look at him. He's not even tanned. He's not ready, brother. And that sort of played into the ending, depending on which conspiracy theory you want to believe. Hmm. So we'll get to it. Which I can't wait to get into. Well, look, let's get into the match. It's a very, very slow start, but the crowd absolutely loses their mind. Anytime Sting gets some offense on Hogan, they lose their mind, which is stupid considering the fact that Hogan, it's, it's the Hogan main event formula where he gets the upper hand and controls the match for the majority of the time. Like what the actual hell? This match is so weird. You're right. Because Sting, it should be Sting beating up Hogan because we've seen Sting beat up 20 guys at once at this point. For Hogan to be in charge and Sting being like on the back foot and defensive, the whole match doesn't make sense. It all feels like Hogan out Hogan Sting and Sting Mm. fell for it. Hogan was like, oh, I'll put the match together. I'll, I'll get you over, mate. I'll show you how a main event is done. And he just outclassed him in every turn. Also, Sting looked like he was sad and confused every time the camera cut to his face. I don't yep. know what was up with him. Yeah, it, it was really like, it's like he dialed it. It's like he went, in, he went forward in time. Uh, looked at what people were doing on My Chemical Romance's MySpace page <laughs> and then went back to 1997 and started acting like that. But man, even Sting does rest holds. Like, which is weird the- because it gives Hogan a chance to make a comeback. Yeah. And it made yeah. the crowd at some point just start cheering Hulk Hogan. Yeah, I, I don't, I really don't get it. I don't get it because we've seen, you know, like later on, they figured out how to do Sting right hmm. in this Crow Sting. You remember, yeah. remember we used to just like throw people into the corner and then the Sting a splash, Sting a splash, Scorpion Death Drop. They'd pull out the greatest hits. This is like, what is going on? It's like he's yeah. Rowdy Roddy Piper. <laughs> hey, Piper had better matches with Hogan than this. This is true. Sorry, yeah, I do. I, I take that. that one back. Also, I take that one back. at one point, like you know, Sting is obviously doing a crow thing. He's sad. He's gothic. Blah blah blah. At one point, he no sells a clothesline and then tells Hogan to suck it. That is so out of character. I don't know. This whole match, just still watching it back, it's just something is off. Everything's just off. Very strange. Uh, sh- Oh, and you got any notes before we get to the the first finish? <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's just so wild. Everything about like the crowd's losing their mind, the commentators losing their mind, but in the ring, it's the complete opposite vibe. Yeah. Um, although I did love the fact that about halfway through the match, Sting discovered what the B button on his controller didn't just started spamming the drop kick. <laughs> Just drop kick, drop kick, drop kick. Did four in a row, and they were really, really great. But he and, just and then he figured there. out if, if then he figured out if you use the D pad and press that button, then you do a rest hold. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was um. That's all I found out this entire match was Sting was just controller spamming for some of it. But hmm. oh man, it was I, I, I was so enamored with this match. I didn't write a lot, but man, it yeah. was just so rough. 
because because you sort of sit there and you're just like, surely Sting's gonna have a big comeback here or something like that. But no, Sting gets a perfectly fair three count. <laughs> uh, sorry, there's a perfectly he gets pinned one, two, three, perfectly legal, mm-hmm. and the crowd, the air is just completely sucked out of the arena because it's just like. This is it's the it's the end of the Empire Strikes Back. That's what it is. <laughs> that's that's how that's how much how disappointed everyone's like, oh like, oh, oh, that's what's happened. No, it's like he doesn't just get pinned though. Hogan makes a face comeback and pins him. That's what's even funnier. He does yeah. the the taunts, he does the boot, does the leg drop, and then it's just a perfect cadence, main event, three count. And mm. that's it. It's so yeah. funny. Doesn't make sense. And it still looks like, like the was, biggest jabroni ever. Oh, it, it yeah. was like it was it was like a semi-fast count, but like not really. Oh, it wasn't even semi-fast. It was but it was literally by the book. You couldn't do a more perfect three count if you were Nick Patrick. <laughs> Nick Patrick did his, look, he did his job, didn't he? He did his job. Although, like, this is where the controversy comes in because obviously the story was meant to be that Nick Patrick was on the take again. He did a fast count and screwed Sting. Therefore, Brett saves the day because Brett knows what it's like to be screwed by a ref. The urban legend is that Hogan pulled Nick Patrick aside and said, hey, just do a normal count. Let's make Sting really look like an idiot Mm. and make me look better. You can't tell me that wasn't some shady officiating Mm. in real life because Hogan just straight up beat Sting. Yeah. yeah, straight up beat the guy that literally has been built since Fall Brawl 1996. This storyline, he comes out on top looking good. And so let's so that's the first part of the match. Let's get to the second part where Bret Hart stops the bell from ringing, and in he, he grabs it, the guy's hand. He grabs hmm. he grabs Dave Pence's hand, going, "No, don't do it." Or what 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 it would really be good in like a perfect world if like. If, if Brett just laid low for the entire time after Survivor Series 97, and I'm rebooking the territory here, and before, and so it's an actual fast count, and before, and all you see is like a hand holding <laughs> the thing, and it pans over to Brett Hart. It's like, <laughs> that would have been awesome. That's how WWE would have shot it. <laughs> Whose hand is that? And then they count out, my God, it's Brett Hart. Yeah. yeah. But the, the, was- the, the, the fingers have the Hitman pink sunnies on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, no, or if they cut to him and it was just him wearing the sunnies, like, you know. <laughs> just, anyway, anything but this. Although, to be fair, Nick Patrick redeems himself for the count by selling Brett's punch, mm. which has become a gift. He throws his hands in the air and, like, falls sideways. Oh, it was incredible. Oh, Can we quickly point out beforehand, after Brett stops the ring bell, he clearly gets a mic and wants to do a promo. Like, But this is how you hear the promo. Well, I'm, 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 <laughs> I'll get in the ring. And you're like, what the hell? It's <laughs> just- Drunk Uncle Brett. <laughs> Just to top off this pay-per-view, everything goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So the restart. Now the restart is perfectly fine. Sting takes out the NWO, mm-hmm. puts Hogan in the Scorpion Deathlock, and wins. Big pop. They love it. Huge pop. Mm. But and really takes out the NWO. Like, you know, absolutely decimates them. Oh, that 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 first thing a splashy hits on Hogan, he almost falls out of the ring. 
was incredible. Yeah. It's really good. That part is really good. Unfortunately, no matter how good the dessert is, if you've just been shoveled horse crap for the past <laughs> 20 minutes, no Streets Vionetta is going to make up for that. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't make Sting look like a good guy. It's like yeah. you lost fairly and now your mate had to come and restart the match. You look like a sore loser. Hogan subconsciously, you know, played the crowd. He's like, you're all mm. going to go home knowing I really won. Brilliant. Yeah. One of Hogan's yeah. greatest performances. It's like even in the pay-per-views, and you'll notice this too, and I know we sound very like QAnon, QAnonomaniacs <laughs> here, but, um, but, like, but like you notice that even when Hogan loses in a pay-per-view, he's still the guy that's holding the belt at the end and cutting the promo and standing tall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he'll get, he'll, he wins one way or another. Hogan wins. <laughs> and, and also, I mentioned it in our group chat uh, when we were talking about this, Sting holding the title upside down to celebrate just tops it's it all amazing. off for it's some amazing. reason that's always like funny when wrestlers do it like hold it up well, the right way well even going on to that so when when the wcw roster absolutely fills the ring and it's a cool little moment it's a really cool moment do you notice how awkward it is with brett holding the belt trying to give it to sting like but he's just not he's not picking up it's like dude just Take, take, take the belt. The belt. Take the, yeah. I don't know how to do this. <laughs> it's like, it's like. So I don't know if you've seen the ending of WrestleMania 10, Owen, but um, so Bret Hart beats Yokozuna. Spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. Uh, is this uh, the one where was it Hogan or Tate Hogan comes out? No, 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 no. That's that's um, WrestleMania nine. Nine. So WrestleMania 10's at Madison Square Garden where he beats Yokozuna and then everyone comes out, Lex Luger, Scott, uh, Scott Hall, and they all hoist him on the shoulders and throw the belt on. I think that's what they were going for here. Just didn't quite get the belt up there, did he? But um, yeah. And, and then Sting speaks Spanish? Yeah, he's never spoke on camera for a year and he just sends a shout out to his Spanish girlfriend or whatever on camera. And the Crazy. commentators didn't know what to do. They're like, Oh, we haven't heard Sting talk in a while. I think he said something in Spanish. It was real, <laughs> real weird. Yeah, Although, what do you think that would have been? After his throat surgery, his body could only pronounce Spanish words. Like for whatever reason, that would have been awesome. It's like, like it's those like people how... that wake up with uh, with like <laughs> with accents, <laughs> with like Scottish accents, yeah. like Irish accents. I wish he did that. <laughs> But um, look, all right, let's dissect this paper. So uh, let's get through this because, okay, now we've established this is the biggest, biggest WCW show to, to, at the time. And it's hard to argue that they didn't crap the bed here. <laughs> they sure did. This might be <laughs> the worst WCW show of the year. Mm -hmm. And it's their biggest. It's their absolute yeah. biggest show, yeah. yeah. And I know we crapped on uh, WrestleMania 13, but the when you look, and even to this day, like... The WWF, at least when they do have a big story like this, they pay it off. Like you look at, say, um, WrestleMania 12 with the Iron Man match, hmm. Daniel Bryan with the WrestleMania 30 feel good uh, uh, moment where he's holding the, where he gets the two belts and da 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 da. And going away from WrestleMania, like Money in the Bank, Punk versus John Cena, that's a fantastic backlash 2000 that I mentioned earlier hmm. uh, with The Rock winning against Triple H. We'll, we'll stay in 1997. Bad blood. Like, <laughs> Taker versus Triple uh, HBK. Like, that, that's how you sort of wrap up a story, put a nice little bow on it all. But what the hell happened here? Like, what? It, it, yeah, I don't get it. Hulk Hogan happened. Creative control just 
Sting not looking good. Just the perfect storm of terrible things. Bret Hart being a ref. Like, imagine having all of the pieces and messing it up, you know? Yeah, very much so. It's it's, it's a very odd sort of little thing here. But, um, uh, Owen, any final thoughts about... Uh about um starcade before we sort of go through 97 as a whole it was very rough like i i think <laughs> that's Simon, so kind of you. no kind. like it, i mean because i if i was allowed to say the things i would say it's there'd hmm. be a lot of curse words um <laughs> no i think simon it was just they had everything literally lined up for them and they just blew it. They absolutely mm. crapped the bed in more, just on everything. The whole show was terrible. You've got the the fact that you had like Vincent and Bossman, Zabisco and Mongo and Bischoff <laughs> book, while Mysterio and Harlem Heat and a bunch of others Mortis. were just sitting, <laughs> were just sitting in the crowd doing nothing. Like that's also the major problem. You yeah. know. You you just saying that just, I've literally got like a fit of rage has just come to my head because it's like there there so it's just like hey guys beat the arena oh cool what match am I in match no, no <laughs> here are your tickets man you getting the getting the, getting the bleach they they flew they flew Ultimo Dragon over to sit in the crowd like Starcade ninety seven that's it. it come on guess what and... guys you're booked you're booked for Starcade great. Oh wait, what? My travel package. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. And the fact that Scott Hall, he doesn't get his title shot from World War Three for another seven years, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think he's still waiting for it. Oh yeah, it, it's 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 bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. But look, let's let's look at '97 as a whole for uh, WCW here. And Owen, oh, you've been a part of this for a big chunk of the 1997 WCW. Yeah. What, what, what do you think about the eras? Like as a year, when you put it all together, does this bad taste at the end of it sort of affect the enjoyment of uh, what was a pretty good story build up when you think about it? I kind of think so. Cause I'm just trying to like to scroll back to see where I dipped in like full time, I guess. Hmm. Which would have been, I think it was. I think it was Hog Wild. I think it was Great American Bash. Oh, the Bash! There you go. Um, no, it was Bash at the Beach '97. Hmm. So that's when I came on full time hmm. for WCW. I'm they're coming in hot, right? Like that show ripped ass. That show was awesome from top to bottom. That show was sick, and then Hog like Road Wild was okay like it was mm. there was still some pretty good stuff on there like flair and six is still probably one of my favorite matches of the year yeah underrated um, very underrated match it's awesome match outsiders and steiner brothers is probably the best tag match of the year and then you've got what i've already said to you guys was um halloween havoc was when it was um uh was um oh when was um Flair and um, no Flair and Piper. Flair and Piper, Bash at the Beach '97. I was just looking it up. Yeah, that match that, was that, insane. I, it's one of the best I matches said, of the year. <laughs> I said I remember, I remember saying to you guys when we did that show that is now in my top ten matches of all time. Like that match is so good. Again, the whole year is like is great, and then we start getting to Halloween Havoc. 
And obviously we had like a V match, like, you know, the Guerrero and Ren Mysterio match. But the, like the main event was obviously the main event. And then World mm. War Three, And it just mm. keeps getting worse and worse. It just falls sort of- off the cliff. They, they sort of, I think they kind of believe the hype here a little bit and it doesn't help too at the same time. While they're, sl- while they're slowly sort of creatively like phoning it in more, because I won't say that it's, I won't say that it's, they're being awful on purpose. I think they just sort of like lose sight of the target. Um, while they're sort of phoning in and just dialing in, you know, pretty much generate pay-per-view, like put people on nitro because you've watched a lot of nitros from here's uh from this era simon like they're very forgettable like there's nothing that really stands out meanwhile you have raw moments on raw you got moments in wcw baby the rise of austin the heart foundation the bret hart thing like there's we can go back through every wwf pay-per-view and name something that sticks out whereas you can't really do that with wcw yeah it's, not that it's bad but it it just there's nothing memorable they don't really do a good job of making a pay-per-view like here's the big thing we're building and you're going to remember this thing because for WWE, it was easy for us to differentiate and sort of pick the pay-per-view of the year. It's really hard for me to do that for WCW, even though we've just watched them at the exact same time. So Mm. yeah, that is sort of one of their issues. The pay-per-views don't stand out as much. There's been a lot of good matches. If we were to pick the match of 97 for WCW, my pick would either be Guerrero and Mysterio from Halloween Havoc or Ric Flair versus Roddy Piper for just being yeah. shockingly good and fun. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to agree with you guys with the, I'm even going to throw in, um, as Owen sort of said, six versus Ric Flair, because that oh, was just it, ruled it, so hard because I'm going to, I'm going to put that because that shouldn't have been good. No, like, flair and like it really shouldn't. It sh- you, sh- you look at that. If you, you were going through the card on the back of a VHS, you'd be like, "Yeah, right. What is going on here?" Because like, you had just- you had like a f- what a forty. He would have been what forty, like a, a forty-eight year old flair mm-hmm. versus a twenty-five-year-old X Park. Something that like match that. shouldn't. No I think he was like. I think he was like twenty-four or twenty-five. That match, as you as you said, Nims, shouldn't have been good. Yeah. yeah. But then it's, even it's... on then, talking about those same guys, when it all came to a head at Slamboree, the six-man tag, Flair, Pipe, and Kevin Green versus the Wolfpack in that main event six-man, that match is great too. Like those collection <laughs> of guys were the best wrestlers in 97 in WCW. If we're going just... one wrestler though, wrestler of the year for WCW, I'm just going to say Scott Hall for being consistent in like every match he had. Preaching to the choir, my friend. You are preaching to the choir. (laughs) I was literally about to ask, who do we think is the best wrestler that is in Scott Hall of the year? Yeah, yeah. Scott Hall. I think Scott Hall takes the cake. And the Lex Luger Award this year for guy who was inexplicably over more than we remembered. I reckon it's the Giant. These past few months, I don't remember the Giant being this over and he gets a huge reaction every show. Yeah. Who who would you who who would you guys pick as like your shock of the year, like shockingly good or pulled okay. out some good matches out of their yeah. ass? I think Giant well, just for the segments and the reactions. I I I when you said the most shocking thing of the year, I'm I took it a different way because I was shocked at how many Jeff Jarrett and Mongo matches <laughs> oh, <yeah>. there were. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
I was just like, I have watched a whole heap and I can't remember a single thing in any of them. See, my, my like, you know, surprise would be Disco Inferno. Um, his match against Perry Satin was awesome. His match against Jacqueline was fantastic. Match against uh, Malenko, also pretty good too. Match against Dean Malenko was yeah, awesome. Okay. From the, some of the stuff I saw of him doing Nitros with a TV title, was I, he had a match with um, Psychosis on the, on a Nitro I watched, was awesome. Like for someone who hasn't seen a lot of disco stuff, I was very thoroughly impressed. And I think we talked about like Simon, Simon and I talked about it a fair bit as well throughout the year. That like you know just kind of shocked at how good he was, or kind of didn't remember how good he was. Yeah, better in hindsight, Disco Inferno. I'm looking forward to him being more part of the show in '98. Very much so, very much so. But yeah, look, all in all, it was it's a, an enjoyable year. And oh, and no doubt, hopefully uh, you'll be joining us for the 1998 WW, uh, WCW pay-per-views as well. 1998, the year I broke my leg by jumping off a slide. Um, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to sitting on the couch in a cast and watching 1998 uh, pay, WCW pay-per-views. I hope you did it Randy Savage style. You did a double axe handle off the top of the slide and well, broke no, everything. My- my brother and sister, like, there was stairs up one side of the slide and the slide down. And my brother and sister were hooking their arms around like the rails and like sliding, like, you know, like cruising down the, the rails. Hmm. I just jumped. <laughs> <laughs> but again, I was three years old and my leg just went Dook, and snapped. <laughs> there you go. So we, we dialed So, back yes, to- I did a macho man off the top of yeah, the Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, was about, I was about to say, hopefully, um, the memories of uh, hopefully what you'll relive or what you'll live through WCW 1998 won't dig up as horrible memories like that. <laughs> but um, I'll, I'll tell you what, we've got a pretty, we've got a pretty big year coming up because I think, I think a lot happens in 1998. Simon refresh my memory. Yeah, it's a big one. And I can't wait because <laughs> our next pay-per-view back is for the WWE. It's the Royal rumble 98. It's not only the birth of, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin to the main event. It's also the first time Mike Tyson shows up and he calls Stone Cold, Cold Stone. So I can't (laughs) wait to see. I I don't know if the network has edited that. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Look, if if they went to the effort to, um, if if they're able to make um, Booker T's Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, botch work. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're going to edit this one too. Yeah. But um, look, you can catch up on the entire 1997 archives and the six months of 1996 at greywolfentertainment.net. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. In fact, if you check it now, uh, Ned's back with the Talking Hoops podcast. They're going through the entire COVID crisis that's going on in the NWA. NWA? NBA. <laughs> NBA. <laughs> the NBA. National Wrestling Alliance? Oh, no. What has happened to Nick Aldis? <laughs> Good question. Uh, <laughs> he still books. That's what's happened. <laughs> but uh, look, on behalf of Owen and Simon, uh, this has been 1997 for Reliving the War. Simon and I will be back for um, Royal Rumble 1998. Owen will also be back for Sold Out 1998. <sighs> <laughs> a good <laughs> good reflex to that one all i can say that 
But uh, but make sure you follow us on all the socials. Grey Wolf ENT on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Check out some of the other great stuff that we got happening. Go through the archives if you want to relive the war. Also, have a safe and merry new year. And thanks for being a part of Reliving the War. We'll catch you next time right here on the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network. This has been another presentation from the Grey Wolf Entertainment Network. GreyWolfEntertainment.net.